Hey, it's Jeff and Jeremy from the Ultra Running Guys. And if you're here, you probably already know that we started this podcast to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. And we just wanted to take a moment to say thank you and let you know how much we appreciate you being part of the Ultra Running Guys community because we know there are a million other ways you could choose to spend this time. We love hearing from you. We're always trying to improve. So if you have guest suggestions or feedback, hit us up through social media or reach out to us at theultrarunningguys at gmail.com. And again, thanks for plugging in. And with that, enjoy the episode. And remember, when in doubt, just show up. All right. And welcome back to the Ultra Running Guys. You got Jeremy Reynolds and Jeff Winchester of the Ultra Running Guys. And the reason that we're here is to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. And so these episodes are all about just that finding races that you can put on your calendar so that you can take that next step. And tonight, I am excited. We've talked about this race a lot on the show. We've got a lot of personal experiences with it. But before we bring on the man himself, Jeff, why don't you tell us what we'll be talking about? Uh, again, we talked, you know, before. This is one of those episodes and one of those people that we have personally both met. We both run this race before. We have both DNF this race before. It has been the best of both worlds. And I, I feel like I could just say, you know, Yeti Army and everybody in the, that's listening is like, yes, Yeti Army, we're here. Because that's the the kind of mantra and cult and community and things that this guy has created. And so tonight we're going to talk about the Yeti 100 with our good friend. Um, and I say good friend because if you've ever met him, we've hugged, hugged you. We've hugged. And <laughs> you feel like you've always known him. And his name is obviously Jason Green, the race director of the Yeti 100 and all of the other uh, Yeti races that we, you have probably heard about as well. But the Yeti 100, um, it takes place the last weekend in September um, in Damascus, Virginia. Um, or at least that's the central spot of it. Uh, the race yep. starts at White Top and has a gradual descent. And I say gradual descent for 18 <laughs> miles in which most of us blow out our quads because we're going too fast because of the adrenaline and the experience of being a part of the Yeti army for the first times makes people lose their ever loving minds. The race is run on the Virginia creeper trail and the surface I say is not technical at all. It's a very smooth, fast, easy course. Um, it is, we just realized us ATF certified for those who are interested in something like that. Um, again, we have the race director, Jason green with us tonight. Uh, to talk about it all things yetis and if you have the good fortune of running this race again you finish he hugs you you call it good night jason green <laughs> welcome to the show thank you so much and it's so great to see both of you again in normal clothes <laughs> <laughs> we stink less <laughs> yes. not having yeah. to, and, to hug and, stinky and i'm so glad you just brought up that certification do you know like uh, every year, the people rely so heavily on their watch. Sometimes I have people come in at like 98 and a half miles and they run around in the parking lot, right? And this year we had someone come in at 103 miles and they're like, the course is long. I was like, no. <laughs> like that, and, and I'm like, you know, I, and you know, it's certified, but no, no American world records can be held because the descent is greater than the ascent. Right. So they have ah. to really be even. But I certified it just so people know they're running a hundred point two miles. You know. So you can leave the watch at home, not complain about it. No, you can run in the parking lot and do extra circles. I'll just laugh at <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes people come in and they're like, Oh, my watch says I think five ninety nine and they start running around. I'm like, What? Not not me. Yeah. When I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> oh, same, same. That show is you know, over. Same. Race director measure the court. 
Uh, the course uh, short. Too bad. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Give me my medal. Give me my buckle. I just PR'd a 50K. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Well, look, man. I feel seen. There, there, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bra- brag on that all day. Uh, there's so much we want to talk about. Um, you have just created an incredible community. Your reputation for just, I don't know. We, we talked about it before. Every every time I've shown up and I've seen you, I'm like, you you greet me like we've been hanging out last week. You've known me forever. And I always am like, does he, does he remember me? Or is he just that good at making me feel welcome? And maybe it's some of both. Um, but let me ask this, man. Before we yeah. get into some of the stuff of the race, Yeti 100, what is your personal favorite thing about the race? Oh, you know, I think my personal favorite thing, maybe why you said every time you see me when you come there, I'm so excited is you get to see a big, I get to share a big part of me where I grew up, where generations of my family grew up. I'm so very excited. I, I overly excited that people travel from all over and come to this little place in Appalachia where we called home. And when I was a teenager, I wanted out of so bad, right? Like, but I get so like, it's, it's awesome. And, and that's what I envision. So, and then when it's happening, I, I just get proud and my family's very proud and, and it just, you know, it fills me with a lot of happiness, you know, to, to share my hometown and it, it does a lot for the economy. You know, we, uh, uh, tourism is a, a great driver for everyone in Southwest Virginia now. So it really, and, and sometimes people run the race and end up buying homes there. <laughs> you know, it's, it's awesome. And I just, I think, you know, it's like welcoming, welcoming someone into your home, right? You're, you're glad they're there and you, you want to be a, a, a good host. That's awesome. I'm sitting here visualizing us at White Top right now. He's giving the pre-race meeting and he's actually saying similar stuff about the fact that it's so important to the community. It means so much to everybody as you're running through the community and stuff. And so it literally just took me back to that moment sitting on White yeah. Top where, where he says something very similar. So and, and years you. ago, yeah, years ago, people like when I was like telling people I was going to have the race in there and they're like, how are you going to get people here? That That's what they would ask. We don't have a major airport. And I'm like, I don't know. They, they'll, <laughs> they'll just come maybe, right? You know? And I, and they were like, and the race is on a Friday. Who's going to, you know? And I was like, it's easier to take a Friday off than a Monday off. That's, that's why it's on Friday. So uh, it was easier uh, for everyone. And, and, uh, to me, it was is a good. It's good that we everyone shows up and we get up near thirty eight, thirty nine states every year. There, you just said something that I've always really appreciated, and I heard you say it in a different way before. But the race is on a Friday, so everybody, for everybody listening, and I remember hearing, and I, I can't remember if it was at the pre race or if it was just in conversation, but the fact that finishing on a Saturday and having Sunday to essentially be wrecked mm-hmm. if you need to be wrecked instead of doing, the, doing what most people will do yeah. and probably make the dangerous drive home when they're not in a condition to do so. Right. It, so right. kudos on to you for and, that. And you know, it's easier. Everybody wants out of the office on Thursday, Friday, <laughs> right. But on Monday, everybody wants that damn email answered. Right. And so it's much easier to be off 
those days than Monday. And from personal experience, like one time my feet wouldn't fit into my work shoe. So I had to, you know, so it, it sucked. <laughs> like my feet were so big and I couldn't make it to work because I couldn't get into shoes. <laughs> so see, um, he does this to keep everybody employed. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I, I just, you know, it's just by, by, you know, design. I was like, man, it's, have you ever noticed when it comes Friday, everybody's like ducking out of the office, right? But on Monday, it's like hell is coming with you, you know, like, you know, so, so that's, that's really why it's hap it happens on Friday. The weekend starts on Thursday. Yeah. That's how it's yeah. always been in life, right? So yeah. true. But so Jason, you, you have got a secret sauce. Like you have got this thing nailed when it comes to the Yeti army. Um, what is it about your races uh, and not your races, just about Yeti 100 and anything that you're really kind of involved with right now? that makes people want to come back and be a part of it. You said that the community itself was like, how are you going to get people to come here in the first place? You yeah. don't have a problem with people coming. You're selling out the races. We're going to get to that a little bit later on, but you have a lot of repeat offenders. And so <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. why do people want to be a, why do people keep coming back and can't get enough of the Yeti? I, I think it's the enthusiasm of all the volunteers. We all share a very commonplace first, last DNF. We're, we're just happy you're out there. And it's it's a place truly where everyone belongs. You, you know, like you run some races and, you know, they tear down the arch by the time you come through, right? Like everybody, you know, and that, that kind of sucks sometimes, right? And uh, we just built a place where people belong from first to last to DNF. We just require you to show up with a big heart, right? And I think the message is loud enough that we get the right people at, with the right attitude to the start line. And that's very perfect. And we, you know, I try to hold the flame for ultra running up very, very high. Right. And, uh, it's a very welcoming, uh, community. And, uh, I, I grew up skateboarding and skateboarding did the same to me. You, you're right. Like, uh, that same type of community, like people, you know, it, it wasn't the person that maybe did a 360 that day. It was the person that learned to drop in that had their best day and everybody cheered for, right? And that's how ultra running is. It's not always first place that, you know, it's it's those people on the struggle bus sometimes that, that make, that, that just make it all awesome and amazing, you know. And you can feel that when, when you're yeah. out there. The, and so I think mm -hmm. that's a really important point for anybody that's listening, especially if you're scared about taking on your first hundred, right? But you want to give it a shot. This is the place to go out, have a good time and know that if you are dead last people, are, uh, you're going to be accepted just like somebody who goes out and, and crushes but, it. And and you know what? Like if you DNF, oh, uh, that's, my, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, me too. Like, you know, I think. I love that I get the opportunity to fail. Mm -hmm. I mean, God, we live in such a safe ass space these days. People are like, oh, you know, like, you know, like, and, you know, that's what I like about skateboarding. You have to try a trick 50 times before you got it, right? Like, you just failed and failed and failed, and you got it. And that's the beauty of 50, 100 miles, 200 miles. It is that. And, and 50Ks, there's a lot of, I've DNF 50Ks, you know? And, 
it just happens. And I love the opportunity. It's, it's a big part of it. It makes when I cross the finish line, uh, real amazing, right? I'm very happy, but guess what? I always count myself very lucky when I'm at the starting line of any race, any distance. I'm just happy to be there. Agreed. You know, it, it's funny. I think if, if somebody's listening or watching uh, on YouTube, whatever it is, and they're not familiar with the, the Yeti 100, then they're going to be confused by all these references to skateboarding. So I know that the first time <laughs> I showed up to the first time that I ran it, I was like, why am I getting a deck? Like, why did <laughs> yes, I just get yeah. a deck? And everybody's got a deck. We're all getting a deck today. And that's one of the things in swag that we all received was a, a skateboard deck. And so um, have you always given those out? Has that been for the Virginia race? Yep. And that, except during COVID, the guy who makes our skateboards in Georgia had to shut down because he couldn't get wood like mm -hmm. the wood. Mm -hmm. And the reason I do that is because that's where I, when I started the Yeti Trail Runners, uh, I have a list of rules I wrote myself when I was a teenager and I held a skateboard contest behind a Texaco down from my house, right? And I wrote myself these rules about having the contest and what I wanted out of the contest. And um, it's just a reminder that the, you know, skateboarding taught me a lot. And, you know, it's a piece of me. So when people come, they come to my hometown, the skateboard taught me a lot of lessons. I got to travel around and skate with some of the, the best in the world. And, and uh, I, I just, I, I thought it's a lot better than a t-shirt and, <laughs> You know, if running don't work out for you, you can try skateboarding. You know? <laughs> so, except, you know, I mean, except they don't have trucks and wheels or anything like that on them. Just so yeah, everybody knows. You, you got to do it yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and if you're too beat up the couple weeks afterwards, you can skate to the store and get a six-pack. You know what I mean? Like, this is there's a lot of possibilities with a skateboard. There's not many possibilities with a T-shirt. Yeah, that's, so, that's so funny i mean that's true, true story true that's story true. <clears throat> true story all right man so here's the deal we want to talk about uh course different things give people some tips pointers understanding understanding i'm gonna ask this question i've been at your pre-race so i'm pretty certain i can nail the answer but what do you <laughs> what do you think that people underestimate about the 8100 Oh, geez. I, I mean, to me, I think they've spent their days training at a certain pace and that white top to Damascus, they feel like they're running that pace, but they're running about one minute faster. And while they don't know it, your body knows it, right? And it comes undone for you. And for the majority of the people, I really want them to mix walk breaks up in that first time coming down, right? That, that, Oh gosh, you know, and it's so important to, to mix those in. Right. And, uh, not unless you're able to train on that. If you're able to train on 18 miles of downhill at three per two to 3% grade, I'm your quads are probably ready for it. Right. But not all of us have access to that kind of distance on that road. Right. And I see it in Abington when people turn around their the, their legs are spent and now they got to go 66 miles right and that's why you you set the tone for the whole race from white top to damascus right and uh, what you do is set you walk get some walk breaks just really put a watch on yourself right like dial it back 
it feels comfortable, right? It's exciting. You take out of there and you're like running feels so easy for so long, right? And until your ass leaves Damascus and you're on that 2% upgrade already to Alvarado and that part, you know, and it, it gets, that's would save a lot of people's races. So, and I've, I've heard you give that warning twice and probably <laughs> both, both times I've probably overdone it, but it is to your point. It's so sneaky because it doesn't feel like downhill. Mm-mm. It just no. feels smooth because it's morning. The weather is cool and crisp. You're feeling yeah. fresh. You've just come off your taper. You are flying. Like yeah. you're definitely flying because you, you there's people running around you that are going faster than you're like, I can run with them. <laughs> and, and, and visually it, you're right. It doesn't look downhill. Like it's mm-hmm. not a visual thing. And that's where people's races come apart. Um, that really sets the tone, right? It, it should not, if your goal is to just finish, right? Like you show up, that should be your main priority it is to mix walk breaks in there, you, you know, and like six and twos, whatever you do, right? If you get to Abington doing that walk, run, walk in eight and a half hours, you set yourself up and you still feel pretty good. You, you got to you, you put together a great race. I've seen Tom Green coming in there in three minutes before the cutoff in Abington, walking mm-hmm. behind a stroller and finish the race in 29 hours. So just, you know, people's minds are like, you know, someone, you know, I, I just, I'm not very convinced that you can bank that much time in a hundred, right? I, I'm not convinced. I think you have to run this very solid race from mile one to a hundred, you know? So some of our most popular guests, and I'm guessing you probably recognize the name, but Jeff and Katie Wilson, um, they've been out there every year and they do the walk run intervals. And if you're, if you're plugging in for the first time, if you haven't uh, listened to that episode, go find Jeff and Katie Wilson. We talked specifically about the Yeti. Mm -hmm. They use exactly what you're talking about. Walk run intervals, sub 24 hour times uh, the majority of the time. Mm -hmm. But to your point, they talk about they watch everybody run away mm-hmm. and eventually they they catch them all back because they're being conservative on that first yeah. part it's just uh, so smart they even do that interval in a 50k one mm-hmm. time right. they caught my ass at virginia <laughs> beach at the seashore 50k doing that bullshit run walking a 50k <laughs> <laughs> they, they do it um i've it's become January. pretty good yeah yeah, I've become pretty good friends with them. They do it generally. They do a four-two, a four-minute run, two-minute walk, and they are consistent. In fact, the it. first time you saw them was at Yeti. At Yeti, were... where I first met them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they blew right by me. So great advice. So I, I, all yeah. that to say, we could probably tell stories all day, but all that to say, when you show up at the Yeti, listen to Jason at the beginning. <laughs> He's not kidding, because um, it's a long time to pay for you know the sin of. Uh, taking the first 18 miles too fast. The, the goal is to and, be fresh enough when you get to white top the second time to run down that Then, time. then you can cruise. Then it. you can just <laughs> yeah. And, and you can go on like Amazon and get a gym buddy for like five bucks. And, and that w- you just run your race by that, like the first part of the race. I see people do it all the time now and it works out pretty well for them. Yeah. Um, That's what all that beeping in the woods are. That's right. That's us beeping. <laughs> yeah. Beep. Yeah. <laughs> beep, beep. The gym, the gym boss is what That's it's right. called. That's, That's what right. it's called, right? Yeah. Let's talk aid stations. So yeah. we have, we, you know, we, we've got the typical conversation about aid stations and I'm going to kind of take you on a little bit of a tangent first. 
explain to everybody when they start trying to look up race reports in the Yeti 100, they're going to start seeing this thing about some random soda machine. (laughs) What is that about? So uh, it randomly came about, it's been there, who knows how it ended up there, but it's been there since I've, the last 15 years, right, that I've known. And when we, we used to just show up and run 100 miles. Mm -hmm. This is how the race started. And people got in the habit of leaving like whiskey in there for each other. (laughs) And so every race, like that's what people did. And so word got out that the Pepsi machine will save your race, right? Because Mm -hmm. people will be coming back up or to the finish and do a shot of Jack Daniels or whatever and finish, (laughs) right? And then it evolved into fireball. And and it's this, right? And it does. Sometimes there's some magic in there to help you get a little push to the finish. So you're right. So and I, have, I like that runners leave things in there for each other. Yeah, I ha- I have we're like I said we're gonna talk about eight stations because that's the legit thing. I remember seeing a soda machine on the side of the thing, and it is some old dilapidated like soda machine. I thought <laughs> if somebody yeah. ever drinks something out of this machine, they they have got really a strong gut. I did not even go to see because I was afraid something's going to like take my hand off. I'll try to stick my hand <laughs> yeah. in it. So kudos yeah. to everybody who's got that kind of bravery and that kind of um, gut. And, That's not me. but and, and you know that from that machine to Alvarado is a very like lonely kind of hard place, right? You know that. And so it's a, it's, I have done my fair share of shots of fireball. <laughs> like, Cause you know, Every, every year, you know, I run an end-to-end, you know, by myself, like self-supported. So I'll do a shot there because between the machine and Alvarado sometimes just starts to drag on me pretty hard, you know? That is a lonely. I do remember from my first race because the second one, I didn't make it back to there. But, yeah, man, that was a lonely stretch. And all <laughs> I saw, you know, a headlight way out in front of me, a headlight way yeah. back behind me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing out here? But, um but- yeah, it's a, great... it's a little grind, right? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but let's talk about the aid stations. Like you said, for for anybody that's watching, listening, they want to know, hey, when they show up, what can they expect? So, kind of, how many, how far apart, what should they expect at the aid stations? Let's cover that stuff. So, the very first one is ten mile, like nine point nine miles away at Taylor's Valley, right? You. You don't, it's downhill, like we said, so you don't need anything. No, uh, some people even bypass that. And then Damascus is another like 6.7, so, you know, seven and a half away. And then you have Alvarado. And we've started doing Watauga as water drops, like in warm years. And then we'll do Abington at the turnaround, you know, and some of them are like 8.9 miles away. And that may seem like a big distance, but this is highly runnable terrain. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and on the way back, you get one at green cove up above Taylor's Valley. Remember that? And we will never, ever in this life put people or an aid station on white top, but you, it, our DNF rate would soar. Right. I, and that's just why there's no one up there. And, uh, because you get there and you're pretty, pretty zonked, right? Like I've, you know, one time I parked my car up there, ran to Abington, ran back. I was training for the Miwok 100K and I was just zombie walking up there, right? Trying to get to my car. But that's why we don't put anyone up up there. You you would, people would drop by the, the boat, a van loads mm-hmm. if I put someone up there. 
Because so, if you can just turn around, right? It's like we said, it's downhill back, right? And that's all you need. So uh, you made me think of something that <clears throat> perplexed me when I um, did, when I finished it the last time. Um, when I got to White Top, is the goal to touch the build and then turn around? Because I saw people was like, where's the turnaround spot? And somebody said, touch the build. And I was like, cool, that's what I'm going to do. So do we touch that's the it. building? Yeah, flagpole. If you're old school, building if you've just joined the race. So <laughs> Uh, that's our, that's our, yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, that's our, um, uh, that's what we do. The course is measured right from the building there, awesome. uh, right there at the edge where you touch it. So that's why we put it there. And, yeah. uh, you know, you sh you're in a hundred mile race. Uh, you shouldn't need a sign to tell you where to turn around up there. <laughs> Come on, man. That is harsh. It's like touch the building, and dude. And I, I try to, I, and this just, and it just, uh, uh, uh lets every, everyone who listened at the start line to, to my words, those were to turn around, right? <laughs> those who uh, fell to, they're like, what are we doing? <laughs> That's if you can remember what happened that morning, right? By the yeah. time you get back up into, and it's dark. So, you know, then the next time somebody finishes your race and they told you they measured short, you ask them if they touched the building right. or touched the flagpole. <laughs> and yeah. if they didn't give you the right answer, tell them to go back and do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, that's the sad problem with watches, right? They will never give you an accurate reading. Some, and especially up between Damascus and White Top, it, it's really hard to get any kind of service from a gps or anything up there yeah. you know and a, we try to track and even bounce off a satellite and it's so tough up there to get accuracy of any kind yeah. so so i will say from you know from my personal experience the volunteers have always been fantastic at the aid stations obviously um is in it i'm assuming damascus because i wasn't there uh the last couple of years but i'm assuming damascus is still kind of the primary major aid station is that correct we that's a big primary because it's a drop bag there you know we usually put like the that's the first hot food you see on the way back right like craig's probably there usually most times with his food truck um you know it's it's kind of that making it point right i always tell people just make it back to damascus the second time right like right that uh, you know not in too quick of a fashion a lot of times people say, I'd like to sit in Damascus and see everyone at 50 miles. And they're like, I just PR'd by 50 miles. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but, and the, the other good thing is uh, you know, you'll probably also see lots of rainbows, unicorns, and glitter. Uh, and and, yetis. and, and yeah. yeah, of course, and yetis. Uh, lots of celebration. So it's a and dancing. It's a party. It, it really is. I, I I have to tell you, the, the volunteers true uh, truly make the event. Like they, I, I wish I could tally how many races they say. That you know everyone's crazy in costumes, but they do everything they possibly can to get people moving forward, and they do a great job. Uh, I'm lucky to have them. You know, right. so. Uh, I'm. I've always. I'm always so. Since we started, amazed at the volunteers, right? And uh, so, and I volunteer. So uh, my rule is every three races I run, I volunteer at a race. Hmm. So I think, that, and that's what my mentor taught me. So 
I usually, that's kind of the rule I live by. So, um, and ultra running is for every three races, I'll volunteer to race. Not, you know, one. when you run a shit ton of races, like we used <laughs> to run like 12, 13, you know, we run like 12 races a year. Right. Like, so, you know, we, I don't, those early days, it's like, how the hell do we run so many? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but I still do it. I still use races as long training runs. Sure. And I really train on them. Like I don't race them uh, and I use them It's and get to gain that valuable in race experience by doing that. Right. If you're at home in a controlled environment running on the trails, you know, right. It's, you don't get that race experience. So when things sideways, unfamiliar territory, you know, learn to put your race and yourself back together. Yeah, for sure. So I forgot to mention earlier in the intro, which I typically would mention this, is that this race is also a Western States qualifier. Um, yes. And that's a big deal for a lot of people. It's also what draws people to the area to be a part of it. Um, but to get into it, there is a there's obviously a registration process. That's um, I, I love the registration process. I think you've you've actually tweaked it a couple of times, I believe, for this race as well. Yeah. Um, and so can you give people an idea of what they need to do on January 1st at eight o'clock? So uh, I'm, <laughs> I've been leaning towards this, just get up and sign up the lottery and picking people seem very anti-climatic for me a lot. Right. Like it's like, Oh, that's not like you wake up on the new year's day, sign up for a big goal and you know what you need to do to put it together. Right. So that's what I want people. And ultra sign up has gotten a lot better with their bullshit. You know, you know, like when Mark used to own it, Remember, people would be in queue for 15 minutes trying to check out, right? So those days are kind of kind of gone. So, uh, you know, they still the the problem is is people will have like two, three devices, like home computer up, mobile phone, like to register for a race, and so you know, it bottlenecks it where there may be only a hundred people trying to register. The you know, there's 300 devices like attacking. Right. So, but I, I think they got it mostly worked out. I think Damiani last year had a little bit of a hiccup, you know, it's causing like mm-hmm. a three, four minute wait, but you know, I, I, I definitely, that lottery, I was just kind of like, there's so much shit in the lottery. Like I want to get away from the lottery. Right. And, and, and if you just put it on your calendar and sign up, I think that's the way to start the year. Right. This is so, what I'm doing. So that's the way it is does that now. what to expect on this coming January then? It's gonna be first come first. Yes. Start? Yes. And we I keep a wait list now to try to get uh entrance to the course, right? Because uh I noticed over the years we'll have a big like just most races are having a little bit larger DNS rate, right? Yeah. Uh during COVID, uh that year, during and after, everyone should have bro- every race because they didn't have to go to fucking work or what, you know what I mean? And everybody's working from home. And, but now we're back to where violin recitals get in the way, graduate, you know, whatever it may be in September, kids returning to school. Right. It's yeah. So we now keep a wait list and I only keep a wait list of people to a depth where you will most certainly get in. So it's not like you, you know what I mean? And yep. uh, that's it, right? And I think that's a good, fair way to do it for everyone. Like, so you're on the wait list. It might take you four months, but you get in, right? 
Yeah, if you get on and the wait we, list, you need to start training, in other words. Right. <laughs> yes, and I tell people that. I'm like, you will get in. We don't keep a wait list right. and keep people hanging on. That way they can find another race to do a goal race. Like so, and, and we have to self-regulate. As you can see, we have the only way we get people up is for bike shuttle vans, right? Because mm -hmm. there's no tour buses or buses up there to get people up. So that's that's our max load is getting up there. So. And, and what um, is the capacity for the race again? I let 300 in, sometimes 325, sure. and uh, depend on how many vans are available. So if mm -hmm. the my friend in Abington's running his vans, we'll go 325. So <laughs> we need the friend. We always want yeah the yeah answer. yeah. He well, he's been pretty good lately. You know, COVID and stuff, other things kind of you know, you know, it's hard for people to get back to business. You know. For sure. Well, and so everybody's listening to 300 people at the start. It doesn't feel crowded because, so let's talk about just quickly the course, right? So it's a rails to trail. Yeah. It's, it's wide. Uh, like we said, it's flat. It's non-technical until you're 60 miles in, in the dark, and then you will find the smallest rock that you, yes. that you swear is a giant tree branch until you turn around and and it can't find it with your light. Cause I took two good diggers on the way back down, but um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's a great course in terms of, of people. And I remember fondly uh, just kind of that initial start. Uh, and it, it left 50 and hundred is, is some of the bloodiest course I've ever seen. Right. Because you get lulled into barely picking your feet up and then people forget the train had to go uphill and they were just burning so much coal. And, the, and coal will slice you open like a knife, you know, spent coal will. Yeah. I, so, like I said, I, I took a couple good hard falls, was convinced that there was a brick or something in the road, you know, and you find this, the tiniest little rock. But I have an album in my phone of people who still have creeper trail cold dust, like where <laughs> that gravels in them and they can't get out like a couple of pieces. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's still by definition considered non-technical correct i mean it's, yes. def it's definitely non-technical um, it's non-technical just don't get too lazy with your feet right yeah. <laughs> and, and in certain sections use that headlight to uh try to avoid the cow patties because um, they'll uh they'll yes, leave some yeah. treats for you as well well you know that just makes an adventure yeah. It's part of it. It's part of it. For, for everybody watching, yeah. there's a section, uh, you kind of go through these gates, and I didn't realize it first yeah. until I realized, like, oh, I'm in here with the cows. And at night, it gets uh, more interesting, right? Because you have your light, all you can see is, is, you know, the course, and then you hear the moves or the different snorts, and you're like, man... <laughs> Just stay over there, you know. But they do. They do. They do. Yeah, I mean, low threat, but it low threat. There's no threat. Cows, dairy cows. I and you know what I do? I do understand. There's this race I run in North Georgia, and it's most of it, you know, is in the nighttime. And if you've ever heard a screech owl when you've been by yourself in the middle of the woods, it's terrifying. Like terrifying. You know. I will take a cow over a screech out any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> that's so awesome. I'd like to go back to the registration process. So if that's okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that we were, um, that it's going to be a first come first serve, click the button, get registered and get all your information in and get out of the system because you're blocking up bandwidth. Right. Uh, but you can take 325, three, or excuse me, 300 people. 
Um, yeah. Possibly at the 325, just depends on if your friend has a van. But the yeah. other thing to note is that when you're registering for the race, we there are qualifying qualifying standards, our qualification yes. races that you do expect. Yeah. And so we don't want everybody just to give it a whirl and just take up the space. Like you need to have qualified. Um, and well, so can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So so there. Here's the deal. You ne I never want to take the spark out of anyone. If you woke up three months ago and say I my dream is to run under miles. I just require you to run a 50 mile on your way to the race, right? That can be at your house, can be around, or run a hundred miler in the last couple of years, right? I just, I just want people to get there trained mm -hmm. and, and know the distance, right? So, um, for a while, like a couple of years, the reason I add that is we, I would like go on the internet. And someone's like, I haven't trained at all, and I'm just going to give it a go, right? And it, it really, uh, and, and things happen, people DNF, but I, th I think to me, I was like, you know, I, th during that year or two, we saw our DNF rate go up. Mm -hmm. And then this year with the qual, like I was like, Hey, just run a 50 miler, uh, on your way. Like that should be part of your plan coming to a hundred miler in September anyway, is to have a 50 mile race in there, right. you know, or, or running at your house, um, um, and I, I think it worked out real well this year. Uh, people showed up very well trained. Hat, we got our finish rate back to high. You know, good weather helped all that out. Um, but I, I think it helps. I think it helps people put together a race training plan leading up to the to the goal race. And I want people to have Yeti 100 as their goal race of the year. Like that's that's what they have in mind, right? Every race is leading up to it. And 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 it helps out a lot when everyone shows up trained, right? It helps the volunteers out, <laughs> helps everyone out. Yeah, I think so, it's a I think it's a good thing to have qualifiers like that or qualifications um, like that. It's not a bad thing to say we want people to have done a fifty mile or something like that in the previous twelve months or even a hundred mile in the previous um, two years because you want to have experienced some of that so you kind of know what you're getting into. Um, it yes. does help. And it's not a negative for anybody who has the Yeti 100 or any other hundred on their, on their dream list of doing one. Right. But it's just that like, if you want to do it, let's do it. And let's do the stuff to get you there and get you to that finish. Because ultimately that's the goal. You don't want to just go out and hang out and be suffer for no fun. You want to finish the thing. And so yeah. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. And you could just go say, you know, you can only afford one race for the year. You're more than welcome just to do it at your house. You could do some sort of challenge over 24 hours and make 50 miles, right? I just want you, everyone, to put forth a little effort, train, and I think it works out. And I'm not the police. I don't have time to go check everybody. I, But it's ultra running, and I, I think it's important that we keep everything on your word, right, and keep the integrity there. And I like I said, I was not let down this year. People showed up very healthy, trained, and uh, they look pretty pretty good. Well, you may not I got check. to give out a shit ton of buckles. That's always good, right? Like Jason, I'm gonna tell you, you may not check, but if um if on January first at eight PM when I'm clicking the button and I don't get in, I'm gonna look through that entire entrance list to confirm every one of them have a fifty dollar or I'm kicking so, them out. So, you know, <laughs> some people that's why they don't make the race. They will self police. They give me an email, and that's how we get people on the wait list. They're like, hey, Jay, I couldn't run 50 miles. Oh, that's you, good. you know, and they, people are very honest. And that's I, good. I, and I want to keep that in ultra yeah. running, right? Where we, you, it's all about your word. Yeah. I you like know? that. And, mm -hmm. 
So, right? Because we ain't doing, we're nobody's winning a car at the end of it, right? You know what I mean? Oh, like, man. <laughs> Change of plan. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still got to buy the goo packets for Christ. We don't even have sponsors. <laughs> that, that's actually one of the things that uh, I love about you and about your races, man, is you're so relational. And to me, that vibe, exactly what you just said of just kind of the integrity, the honesty, let's just do this really more as friends, you know, yeah. than, than anything else. Um, I think it's part of the reason why the community is what the community is and why people feel so accepted is because mm -hmm. you kind of lead with that example. Um, so I think it's cool that you say, Hey, you're not the police, but the fact that people feel the need to go, look, man, I didn't honor my agreement. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 to me, that's a, a perfect ultra runner. That's who that's mm -hmm. our community. That's what I think of our community. I think everyone uh, uh, is that high of standard. Right. And right. Because you do that for yourself, you're not out there for anyone else. This is, you know, and I, I like that such integrity is is involved in ultra running. One hundred percent, I agree. I like well, it. Well, look, man. So obviously, for anybody listening, watching, uh, we can't pitch it hard enough. Yeti one hundred <laughs> yeah. has has to be on experience your, on your calendar. Yeah, experience. Um, it was uh, just such an experience. Like I said, we've got. Uh, batting 50%, right? Um, and both the experiences, <laughs> both the experiences were incredible. I definitely would love to come back. Um, but dude, you, your community, everything about the race, I just think people need to experience it. And one thing we didn't really touch on, but uh, I'm guessing most people picked up on it, right? So it's three legs of the trail. It's great for crew. And so, you know, my wife is out there. It's super easy to bounce back and forth because you're coming through yeah. the, the different areas. Um, so if you like to have a crew or have your family with you, great opportunity for that. Uh, but here, I'll, right now, I'll just say thank you to the Ultra Running Guys community. If you've been plugging in, we appreciate you so much. If it's your first time and you're here to see Jason, uh, thanks for stopping in. We have the show. Check it out. We'd love that. But Jason, dude, you're awesome. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you for all the kind words, you know. Usually I just filled customer complaints. <laughs> the life of a race director. Oh my God. Same, right? Yeah. You That's didn't awesome. have diet Mountain Dew at the aid station. What the hell are you doing over there? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But, but seriously, man, thank you for everything you do for the community. Cause it's a lot legitimately. Thank you guys so much. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you awesome. for having me. But we'll put all the links in the show notes. Um, and so it'll be there. Go check it out. Jason, we appreciate you. And to everybody else, we'll talk soon. God, Bye. God. Thank you, guys. All right. Listen, thank you so much. We recognize the fact that you are probably just hanging on just for a couple more minutes as you're finishing up your run. But really, we do want to give you a huge thank you for the constant support that you've shown us. We hear you and we feel you. And the best way for us to continue to grow is for you to share us with your friends. Tell them what you put in your ears when you're out there on a long run. Hit the like button, leave us a comment, um, leave a review, and give us some direct feedback on what you like about the show and also what you don't like. We're here to improve and do it for you. And it really means the world. And listen, if you would like to support financially, you can connect with us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the ultra running guys, or you can use the support link in the show notes. Any and all support goes directly back into growing the show and helping us get better at what we love to do, which is to serve all of you. And with that, finish up that run, get cleaned up, and just show up. Clean. Clean. <laughs> <laughs>